0: I think they're very powerful to use. I am not a phantom stock hater at all, but I just will say I would be careful with them. And I would I would also research all options and think about what your true goal is. This is the PMP Industry Insider Podcast. Hello everyone. Welcome out to another episode of the PMP Industry Insider Podcast, where we look at what is changing in the industry and take you to the front lines of so those that are driving those changes. As always, I'm Donnie Shelton, owner of Triangle Home Services, which has triangle Pest as well as triangle lawn. And with me is my compadre in arms, Mr. Dan Gordon. But Dan, before, before I in, let you do your thing where you talk about all your fun stuff that you do. First of all, we're recording this on Monday morning and I could just tell you, I have just been having one heck of a blast. And the reason I've been having a blast is because Mr. Gordon has been on the struggle bus with technology this morning. So for those of you that are joining us on YouTube, you're just going to see my ugly mug, but you will not see Dan because he's been fighting with Zoom all morning and I have been thoroughly entertained
1: well I just want to thank you for that um and uh it's some camera issues the the ironic part is I got up a little early and shaved so that I wouldn't uh, look like a gorilla after the Super Bowl and uh now my camera doesn't work but uh the show must go on the show
0: so. must go on
1: so let's go so uh anyway uh so this episode is sponsored by Coal March by WorkWave And uh, what we're going to talk about today is uh, I'm going to give you a framework for some uh, performance-based compensation, and Donnie is going to whine about this uh, uh, performance-based compensation. I am uh, not going to whine about it. What we're talking about is phantom stock. And um, I thought this would be an extremely interesting topic as we use this as a tool to incent- incentivize our team members at DAR accounting firm and have also worked with several attorneys to implement these programs for several of our clients. So the reason that I like this, uh, that both um, uh, Donnie and I have used phantom stock as a tool to try to align the interests of a key employee. That's what you're doing. You're, uh, uh aligning, um, uh, uh, your interests with your employees. And, um, uh, and, uh, so, um, you're both going to work toward the success of the company. So both of us have separate opinions on uh, our experience and the different results. So, uh, anyway, uh, I will open up with, um, and uh, I'll open up with phantom stock. And basically what I did is I took the outline from uh, a phantom stock arrangement that uh, we have with one of our folks uh, that was uh, created by an attorney who is uh, a specialist at doing some of this. But uh, phantom stock is a powerful incentive tool for top managers where the manager receives a future cash payment tied to the value of a designated number of company shares without actually receiving any physical stock or membership interests.
0: So so let's so, just be clear here for our listeners. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. When you when you hear the term phantom stock, there is no such thing as stock. Okay. okay. I mean in the in the sense of something that's going to be recognized by the IRS or or even, you know, company ownership. It is deferred comp that's that's what phantom stock is. and so by the way and we need to say this Dan because um well let's just be real here. neither of us are attorneys. at least yes. I'm not an attorney. number 2, you know, I would say learn from by the way, I I don't if you didn't catch this at the beginning of the episode, Dan is totally He's throwing me like I'm like Ruth Bader here, like I'm going to disagree with him, which, by the way, I am going to disagree with him a lot because we were talking about this episode beforehand and I was like, "Mm." he's like, oh, it's great. And I'm like, what? And so already no, we're not going to be there's going to be a few things here that we're not going to totally agree with, but. Bringing it back. I'm not, we're not sure experts. how Ruth Bader uh, got Because in I it. am dissenting from your opinion, my friend. I don't. Oh, I, and that's what she did? That's what she did. That's what she did. Okay. And, right. well, and we'll some might even in. argue, maybe I even look like Ruth Bader. I don't know. Who, yeah, a little
1: old lady. So, uh, <laughs> so, so, anyway. so, yeah.
0: So, we're not experts. I, I, I do want to say that. And number two is that anything that we say about phantom stock, you definitely want to back it up with uh i would say an attorney and also a comp expert and so um and and i would say you know i'm going to talk about some mistakes that i have made with this uh cuz i dan is correct i have used this this form of compensation in the past i no longer use this form of compensation um i'm sure it works in in a lot of situations in my situation i feel like there are better vehicles to accomplish what i was trying to achieve and so so that don't take any of this to say that I think it's a bad idea. I just think that the situation has to be right. And you've got to have a really good, clear picture of how it's going to essentially align your goals with the goals of those who are on your team. And so with that, Dan, take it away. We can start at least getting into so, the benefits. Yeah.
1: So, so think of it as uh, a tracking, um, a tracking vehicle. So it tracks the stock. So there's, It's a very flexible tool. Um, Basically, let's say that you have a a manager or a a top person that you wanna reward and that you wanna keep and whatnot. Um, But at the end of the day, if I gave you 5% of the company, what does that mean to you? Well, you might take on some liability because now you're an owner. Uh, Unless we have some sort of arrangement for voting shares, you really have no influence on what's going on in the company unless you have 51%, right? Uh, If I give you stock, that's a taxable event based on the valuation. So I would have to do a valuation of the business. Um, And so there's a, a, a number of roadblocks to actually giving stock out. And also what happens if things go bad? How do I get my stock back? So phantom stock is a powerful incentive, okay? And when I say future cash payments tied to the value of a designated number of shares, so let's say I was gonna give you 5%, we're gonna go into how you can get this 5% because you don't have to give it all at once, um, it allows you to uh, track the value of the stock. So let's say we have a company that's worth a million dollars and I wanna give you 5%. So your uh, uh, tracking is uh, $50,000, okay? However we value the company. But I can also actually give you um, uh, uh, 5% of net income every year, if, uh, you know, if you design it that way, I can give you 5% of it upon sale of the company, I can give you 5% of it if you retire from the company, I can pay you out in a lump sum, or I can pay you out in um, a, a, a structured settlement, that, that kind of thing. So it's a pretty powerful tool. And The value is typically tied to the market value of the company stock or an assigned value. So in other words, let's say I give you 5% and then we go and sell the company. Well, it's easy to value the 5% because you sold the company. But let's say you retire. So how do we know what the value is? We use a formula. And that formula is it, I don't want to say it's arbitrary, but but it is arbitrary. You can come up with it any way that you have or any way that you want. So there's usually a triggering event that gets you uh your payout if you're the manager. That's once vesting has occurred, which I don't recommend. I, I recommend that uh upon the sale of the company or upon retirement of the company, because you can use a phantom arrangement as a golden pa- or I'm sorry as golden handcuffs. And there's um many ways that you can do it. I think so, hang on one
0: second here, Dan. I'm gonna
1: there's a go couple of things that I want to clarify because what you just talked about,
0: there's a lot in there, and I just want to mm-hmm. make sure our listeners are tracking. So so the first thing is is that Phantom stock, and I said this earlier, it is is deferred comp, which means um you can create the rules of the game and it's really important that you know that because it's not like I would highly recommend you not do this. You know, you could you could have someone that you that you want to retain and you say, "Okay, I'm giving you 10% phantom stock now." I would not recommend you do that. There's some yeah. arrangements mm-hmm. that you can do. When I did this, I did it based on performance and then there was an earn-in and there was a percentage earn-in assuming that we hit goals. And then on top of that earn-in, there was a vesting period as well. It was a five year vesting period before that actually transferred into to be payable, you know, payable phantom stock. So so that's the first thing is that, you know, it it's it's phantom stock, so it you can create all the rules of the game. Make sure that you don't I will. I don't you do whatever you want. I would highly recommend you not just give it out, give it out, right? Because it just no, you definitely I, don't give it out. You know,
1: yeah. you don't just give it out. The, the second right?
0: thing, which Dan said, and I think this is really important. Um, and I just want to highlight it again, is you need to make sure that you determine how value is going to be determined upon the payout of that phantom stock. And that needs to be in writing. Um, you could say, well, we're going to get it we're going to get it appraised and we're going to do it based on EBITDA, or we're going to do it based on revenue or what. But you know, the reality of it is is that I would clearly define how you're going to determine value. Um, upon this triggering triggering event that he's talking about, whether it be a retirement or it be um, you know hitting certain goals, whatever, um, just make sure that that's clear. Because
1: so if it's you, a if it's the sale of a company, that's easy, right? Because easy we 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 know what it's yes. worth. Right. Right. But you need to create a formula, and that formula may or may not have anything to do with market reality right so we know that we're coming off one of the greatest boom um um you know um, you know we may be coming off one of the greatest boom times in in MA history in the in the pest uh space and and the launch space is actually coming on pretty strong too right now but maybe 5 years from now or 10 years from now that may be all different it may be worth even more than it's worth today, or it may be worth less, but I recommend that you create a formula and that could be based on EBITDA, a multiple of EBITDA. It could be based on a multiple of revenue. I don't rec- uh, recommend that you do that without considering EBITDA um, or it can just be a number that you decide that that's what the number is, but you've got to, um, you know, establish that valuation. and, and, one of the things that Donnie was just alluding to, you could have a valuation done. I would tell you that valuations, unless you're doing estate planning or you're getting a divorce or something, most of those valuations have nothing to do with market value. That was
0: actually where I was going with that point. (laughs) How many times I, I know back when I would work with specific clients, how value is determined is a really important point. And if you use a professional appraiser, most likely... I'm not saying always, but most likely it's going to get praised lower than what it actually will get on the market. And so that's why I say it's really important for you to define exactly how you're going to value the business. Because Dan's right. I've seen owners, and I'm not making a judgment opinion either way, who has got who have intentionally got professional valuations because they were going through a let's just call it an event, a life event. And they needed to understand what the value of their business was. And so they knew that that would come in lower. So that's what they did. So hopefully what I just said it, makes sense.
1: Well, but as long as everyone understands that it may not be fair market value, that it may be enterprise value, which is a formula, you know, there's a financial formula to figure out, you know, if if I have a company that's uh, worth a million dollars and, um, you know, I want a certain ROI then I can back into that number. It, it has very little to do with market value or so you can just go with market value. Um,
0: so the big picture here is that you're going you're gonna to try to retain a key person by giving them, quote unquote, a percentage of the company or the opportunity to earn a percentage of the company. Without ownership. Without ownership and without tax consequences while they're doing it. And I think that's really important because if you have a, a, a fairly large business and you end up giving someone... Real stock, that's going to create problems for them tax-wise. But, but nonetheless, so you give them that, you you set up the game. Now
1: what? Okay. So, by the way, that uh, don't just gloss over the tax consequences because that's huge. If you, if I have a company that's worth a million dollars and I'm going to give you five percent, that fifty thousand dollars is a now taxable. Got- that's taxable income to you without any money to pay. Right. right. So that's phantom income. (laughs) So um, and the other thing is that, however, this is this is a really um, this is a a, a really important point. So if I did that and you took the income and you were taxed on the fifty thousand dollars and 10 years from now, it's worth one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. You have a one hundred thousand dollar capital gain, which is significantly capital gains are taxed significantly less than ordinary income. Right, with phantom stock, all it is is compensation. It's all ordinary. So if that fifty thousand climbs to one hundred and fifty, all of that one hundred and fifty is taxed at ordinary income. Okay. Right. So there's a um, and and uh, honestly, as an employer, you're actually getting a better tax benefit from it because you're getting the whole deduction of the one fifty as opposed to the um, giving out the the, the $50,000. And that okay. what
0: you just said is really a function of, and it goes back to this is truly deferred comp, it's compensation. Yes. And so when it comes out, meaning when it gets paid out, it's no different than as if you paid them a bonus in, in one regard. I mean, I'm sure the tax, but, but what I mean is, is like, there is no, like, there are no capital gains because again, it's not it's not an investment. It is actual compensation that you're paying out. It's just the vehicle. You can call it whatever you want, but that's, again, it's that, that's the main thing I want to bring home is that it's going to get taxed at compensation rates, not at capital gains. A very good point. So,
1: right. The, the other thing that you can do, and this is pretty neat is let's say I want to give you 5%. And so what I do is I'm going to give you 1% per year for five years, but, I'm gonna have a vesting period. So that first year, so let's say I have five year vesting for each 1%. So in year one, you're gonna work for five years till you earn that year one. And these numbers are pretty significant in case you're asking, well, why would anyone do this? Because the the idea is you're aligning with long-term value of the company, right? So I'm gonna give you 1% in five years. So uh, then I'm gonna give you another 1% 1% in six years and another in seven years, right? Until you get your full 5%. Think about what that does if you leave the company, if you're the manager that you leave the company, you're leaving a lot of money on the table. So you're going to think twice about it. So what it is, is what, what it's doing is long-term, it's keeping you, um, you know, uh, it's, it's putting those golden handcuffs on because you're going to lose a ton of money if you leave um you know without fully vesting so that's important so how do you uh do you want to just give somebody the this this 1% for 5 years cuz they're good guys uh, and just uh you know they're with you or uh do you want to define it and that's the most important thing is how you define it so you can define it with growth measures, you know, margin, gross margin, net margin, whatever, uh, other profitability, you know, uh, uh, you know, any line item on the PL, and um, or any other metric that you can use. And so that's really important too, to understand that.
0: I, I just, okay. you know, I, I will say this from just, just, you know, when I did this and, and by the way, I don't do this anymore. Just, just a disclaimer um, for our listeners. When I did this, I used what I call the composite score. Now, Dan is very familiar with what that is, but for our listeners who have never heard that term, it's a made-up term, but essentially what it is, it's profit percent plus growth percent. And the reason I like that stat so much is if you take revenue growth as a percentage and then you take profit as a percentage, it gives, especially if this is a key person who can control those two stats, right? you may have a person who can't control growth or who can't control expenses or whatever. Right. But for me, you know, Dan was talking about this. You have to define what are, you know, what are the rules of the game for the person to earn in? Well, number one is I wouldn't give it. You could do it just solely based on profit, which is perfectly fine. You could do it based on growth, which is perfectly fine. For me, I like the balanced approach where, you know, I gave them latitude. If it was a growth year, then they could spend, that composite on growth. If it was a, you know, Hey, we need to, we need to take some profit. They could still earn in because at the end of the day, you know, growing a business profitably is hard work. And, you know, depending on what I didn't want to have happen is me come back and redefine it every single year. And so I did it based on composite score, not telling you you should do that, but that is just one option. And I thought that the, the actual performance side of things I thought worked pretty well.
1: But by the way, for anybody who, you know, the following this composite thing, if you're a, a, a one of our clients, we give that to you on your reports and we call it the rule of 23, which we kind of stole from working because they use it. And the rule of 23 is that the composites 23, you have 23% profit uh and 0% growth, or vice versa, or 10, 13, some, some. Function of that, but the reason that that composite is actually so brilliant is because you can choose: do I want growth at the expense of profit, or do I want profit at the at the expense of growth? And you can choose what you want. Uh, and you know, by by saying that you've got these twenty three points, or you know, in Donnie's case, he does the rule of thirty, or <laughs> and we, and we also have clients who do rule of thirty and and, and even better. But that's why we use it. So. How is a a phantom stock arrangement implemented? And this is so, you know, we use it and we brought a compensation attorney in to uh, develop it. And what he did was he created an employment agreement where the phantom stock piece was a component of the employment agreement. So we have an attorney drafting this employment agreement. And several, I'm I'm just pulling some of the bullet points, some of the, 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 the various paragraphs um, in that employment agreement. We talk about employment at will clause, which is extremely important, right? In other words, you're not guaranteed that you're going to be here forever, okay? Um, we give you a base salary. There's opportunities to earn short-term bonuses. Remember, this phantom stuff is long-term unless you create the component where you say, okay, you're going to get you know, 1% for five years and each 1% that you get, then you take or you share in the profit. So, if, uh, and you're, you know, the, the, if I've already earned 1%, I get 1% of the profit. If I'm up to five, I get 5% of the profit. You don't need to do that, but you can, or it can be just a regular bonus program. Just like, uh, you know, if you exceed certain things as a manager. So, uh, so you've got the base salary, you've got bonuses uh, and or commissions, and then you have the deferred uh, comp piece, the phantom stock. And usually you show that as an exhibit to this award letter, right? Or, or you create an award letter that's an exhibit of this employment agreement. And then there's a whole bunch of things that you need to consider, like termination. What happens if you quit? What happens if you get fired? who determines what what if you get fired and it's not for cause or if it is for cause or whatever Maybe you have a, a fight with uh, with with a, a, a an ownership family member or something like that right So you define things like that. It'll also talk about the benefits that you get health life disability 401k But here let's go yeah. back to
0: this determination part. for those of you who are considering this and, and you're going to do it or you decide, you, you want to spend a lot of time on that termination. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and what I mean by that is defining mm-hmm. what is cause and for cause and what's not for cause. Because one of the things that I, that I wanted to make sure of that was, that was very clear, you have any, what I consider to be moral indis- indiscretions, you embezzle from the company, you do something dishonest, like you're fired for cause, this all goes away. I'm not paying someone who, who for whatever reason, you know, did something that that you know was against our values or, or or was dishonest or you know. Again, I mean, just imagine for a moment you didn't have this all cleared out, and someone embezzles from you, and you have this agreement in place. And not only do you get the the, the you know the the job of cleaning up whatever that is, now you also get to pay them out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so well, the, I just that it's really clear yes. that you
0: make sure, make sure that this section, if you do this, spend some time on this section, is all I'll say. So.
1: And also on what happens, right? So let's say you've earned two percent of the five percent and you get fired for cause. Do you get to get paid out on that two percent or do you lose it? Right? You can define it any way you want. You just have yep. to define it. Yep. And here, this is one that, uh, well, let's go to the last one and then I'll come back to the, the, the one prior. So in that, in your employment agreement, I highly recommend that you have a non-compete, which is being uh, attacked right now, whether actually it's been uh, non-competes have been attacked for a long time. So that may or may not be uh, fully um, enforceable, but non-solicits, those are enforceables. Don't go after my customers if you leave, don't go after my employees. And then the third one is a non-disparage. Don't be out there trashing my company um, to uh, any anyone. Okay. So those are, uh, pieces of that, uh, employment agreement. Now the last one, and this is really, we, we just had a situation that that's why this is near and dear spousal death benefit. Okay. You have a key man and he's in the middle of his, you know, phantom earn out or, earn hang, hang or on, whatever. Let's,
0: let's, let's bring yeah. it up. It's,
1: it's key person now. Yeah. Okay. So you have a key person. Actually, no, you Google it. It's key man. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it, well, when you look in a history book, is it mankind? I don't know. Person kind.
0: I'm just having okay. fun with you, right, yes. it. It right. is called yeah. key man insurance for our listeners. Yes. That's correct. It is called well,
1: out. Well, but but what happens if uh, if your guy or gal dies, right, or becomes incapacitated? And that happened to one of our clients, when he was well, I mean, he the, the guy was cranking, the, the company was doing great. And about halfway through this term of his earnout, he contracts cancer in, in, in a bad case, uh, a, a very bad uh, aggressive form and dies. Now what happens? What happens to the spouse? Okay. And you can define that and you can Um, guard against that with uh, insurance, you know, and they call that key man insurance, basically um, where I buy a policy on you, I'm the company and I am the beneficiary. And what happens is I buy that I'm the beneficiary. If you die, I get the money and I am uh, compelled to use that money to buy you out of this long-term comp arrangement. So and 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 depending on age, health, and everything else, this insurance could be expensive. And a lot of people are like, yeah, maybe I don't need it. I am telling you, we went through a situation and it was gut-wrenching. But luckily, we had this key man insurance to buy out the spouse.
0: I, and I would say it's the right thing to do. You yeah. know, at the end of the day, I, I mean, I, I have always used this insurance is term insurance. It's term life insurance. It's not that expensive. Dan is correct. Mm-hmm. If you're older, it could be a little pricey, but comparative to what could happen, it's it's not that expensive. And so I would say right. always any kind of agreement, any kind of partnership, and believe me, when you put in a, a stock, a, you know, a phantom stock agreement, now you're a partner, you always have buy sells and always have policies to back up because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, that's a pretty dirty thing. If the family, you know, if this person has been working for you and they've been staying and being loyal to you and producing results for you, and then they end up dying for whatever reason, it could be a car accident, who knows. And then the family's kind of left there like, wait a minute. And you're like, oh, yeah, that person's gone now. Just not a good, not
1: a good not a good way to right. Pay. So that key man insurance. And, uh, yeah, exactly. I would definitely, definitely. um, yeah. And, and there's other, uh, compensation arrangements that, uh, um, you use whole life and, and whatnot. You, you, you know, talk to your broker about that, but that's, um, you know, that's really important stuff. So, um, okay. So that's what, uh, is in the arrangement. So what, um, that exhibit that I was telling you, uh, that uh, is basically the deferred comp or the phantom um, um, award letter. So what's in that award letter? Well, it's a description of the award, number of units or um, or, or uh, shares of stock in the vesting period, right? The key metric to achieve uh, that in order to earn in, whether it's growth or profit or whatever, okay? The payout upon the sale of the company or change of control in the company or retirement. And remember, these things can be pretty significant. So you've got to figure out, well, if if it's upon retirement, do I give you a lump sum or maybe it took you 10 years to earn it and I'm going to pay out over 10 years, which is perfectly fine if it's structured that way, because now you have this re- retirement income.
0: Okay. Let me, let me just say something real quick, because this is really important. I would highly recommend that you pull it out, that it not be a lump sum. And the reason is, is because of the int- you know, what we talked about earlier, which is the non-compete, non-solicit, non-disparaging. It gives you another, basically mm-hmm. another tool to ensure that how you want it to unwind is exactly how it's going to go down. So. And
1: that's, that's an outstanding point. And you don't usually come up with too many of those. So um,
0: <laughs> even a blind squirrel, buddy,
1: <laughs> that's a, so anyway, the, the, the other, you would have a vesting uh, schedule yeah. uh, that surviving spouse uh, uh, clause and then evaluation. What is the formula? We talked about it, but upon sale, that's easy. But upon retirement or uh, leaving the company for um, whatever uh, you want to understand that valuation. Then you'll have a a clause for forfeiture if you do something like, um, you know, uh, get fired for cause or uh, disparage or something else. And then the last one, and this is really important because, you know, a lot of times you'll be uh, running the company and you'll have a key person and, you know, you guys are running it, running, running hard and everything and your best buds, right? And then you decide to scale the company and get bigger. And maybe you need some other people who are going to get these arrangements. So you have to talk about the possibility of dilution, right? So I give you five or 10% of the company, but now I've hit success like you wouldn't believe. And now I've got five other people who I want to have this arrangement. Well, does that mean that each time you're gonna give them five or 10% or is there gonna be some sort of dilutive uh, from an ownership perspective, or from, from the percentage, which still may or may not be just as much money. It's just that now your company is much bigger and the, the uh, value of that. So you want to talk about a dilution, um, you know, uh, uh, what happens with dilution. And then, um, you know, uh, so that would be in the award letter. Um, and so uh, those are the elements, so, let's talk about the pros and cons of doing this. And I'm going to uh, you know, if if you do this right, everybody's in total alignment. And then um I guess uh the 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 negatives, the cons, and I'm going to let Donnie take this because evidently it didn't work out for him. It's it's working out great for us and and some of the ones that we've put into to effect. But I can see where, you know, it might not live up to expectation, but, but, but why don't you go ahead and talk about what your issues were? Because I'm interested yeah. to hear.
0: Well, first of all, let me just say this, you know, who would consider phantom stock? You know, in, I would say probably 99% of the cases, well, maybe that's a little high. The majority of the cases, people are looking for golden handcuffs. That's their goal right? Golden hand. The employer is. The That's employer. correct. That's exactly yeah. right. They're looking for a way to ensure that if they've got a key person, how do I keep them interested, engaged, and how do I keep them at the business and keep them focused on the right things? I will tell you Donnie's opinion right now, in my opinion, they are better vehicles for accomplishing that um, than phantom stock. Okay. It's a great tool. Not telling you not to do it. It's it's one of many tools, right? But but to me, I did this, I thought it was great. And what I will tell you is that I got into some issues. And the issues became when, um, I was dumping a lot of money into the business. And you know, by default, I was I was with cash exponentially creating or creating more value for the business. And so, anyone who's holding phantom stock by nature of them breathing gets way more value, even though the contribution is not there. Because you got to remember, they have no basis. Okay. The only basis they have is just, you know, them being there and them helping you create that. So, so anyway, potential issues. Number one is that people change. Okay. You may no, think wait. Let, a, let's
1: let's pull back because that's I, I'm really go, I'm, interesting. I'm going
0: to go back wait. to that. I promise. I am going to go back to that. But let's just let's just okay. Big picture, like things okay. I don't like about them. Okay. Yeah. Number one is people change. Okay. In my case, this didn't happen. You know the the, the, the the you know when I had this agreement in, I still the you know everyone is still with me. Um, I did end up changing this, but but you know that just because someone's great now, I've seen it. I've been in business since 2006, at least on the field service side of things. And I can't tell you how many times I've had someone who started who was killing it and the business outgrew that person because they simply did not grow with the business. And so that's one thing you really need to think about is that if you've got a 10, 20 year timeline, you really need to think through, am I really wanting to part with a percentage of the company in deferred comp? Am I really wanting to do that? Because, you know, yeah, you know, they're great now. What does it look like in ten years? And you're making a long-term commitment, so so that's number one: is that people can change, and situations can change. And I don't like anything, you know. I, I just think there's better vehicles that don't involve the value of the business to 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 accomplish the golden handcuffs and to reward that person. Because at the end of the day, look, the last thing I'd want to do is screw some. If someone's really helping you hit goals, of course I want to reward them. Of course I want to line them up with the business. But but again, they're in my mind, they're better tools. Number two. The other thing I don't like about it is, you know, if I am, if I am an owner and I've got someone on one of these deferred comp, you know, um, fan of stock programs, and I'm pumping millions of dollars into the business to grow it, is that right? Is Because now the value of their stock just exploded because of investment that you're making. And, you know, Dan talked about dilution and there should be something in there for that. But, but the fact of the matter is, is that by breathing... If you're the one that's doing the majority of the growth, that's a problem in my mind. Not to, you may be okay with it. I didn't like it. I didn't like the fact that I went out and did, you know? in my case, I did some acquisitions. I did a few other things, You know, literally millions of dollars into the business. And by nature of breathing, now all of a sudden, the value of my phantom stock is going through the roof, even though that key person may not be creating the value. Does that so, make sense? What I'm saying,
1: it it does. So it, let's say that we didn't have phantom stock, but we had you gave me five percent of the company or whatever. So yeah. you agree to grow, and and there's a capital call, meaning that you have to put money in. And I put in five percent, and you put in ninety five percent or whatever, and that's fair. And right. what you just described is really really interesting, and it's a real issue yep. that you've got to determine. Um, you know, are we Putting in personal money, or are we going out and borrowing money? How is all of that being accomplished? And you're absolutely right, but there are ways around that. There are through del- delusion clauses. Mm-hmm. If I start putting money in, then you know we we you know you can get diluted down. Uh, because you're right. You, th- this whole thing is all about uh, helping us grow the business. And if I just grew the mu- business by putting a lump of cash in and you had nothing to do with it, is that fair? That that's absolutely true. And
0: that's a fantastic conversation to have, by the way, with a key person. Hey, I just took the value of your stock down. <laughs> you know, it's going to go great. No, so point being is that you know that, or
1: is- you, uh, hey, uh, you want to keep your uh, uh, percentage? Now you don't want them to have equity. Loan the company at, an, at a stated interest rate. Mm-hmm. Your amount. You, right. you know, there's so many ways that you can Correct. get around this. Yeah. But maybe the guy doesn't or the gal doesn't even have the money to do it. So yeah. so it does get a little sticky.
0: And if you get into big numbers, it's that's just you're right, Dan. By the way, you're right. You absolutely could do that. But the majority of the time when you're talking really big numbers, most people don't have that kind of cash laying around. So that's or do that's they or they, they don't want to put it in. Okay. Yeah. So go ahead. So so issue number 1 is that people change and this is a really long-term investment, right? In unwinding these things, they're they're not easy. Okay, number 2 is that, you know, if you're if you're putting your own personal money in and this person's not, well, you're 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 increasing their value. You know, for me, one of the main ideas behind this vehicle is that someone is doing this work for you. They're creating value for you, right? Which is why you're giving them a percentage. So, so anyway, that's number 2, is you put money in. Number 3 is that and and by the way, I didn't come up with this, but there are other vehicles out there whether it be through an insurance policy or, or some something else where you can accomplish the same thing where you could say, hey, look, you need to be with me for a set number of years. You're going to have to self-fund this bonus program, or whatever it is. And at the end of the 10 years, like you don't own it, you can have the same rules. You know, if you do anything, this doesn't belong to you. It's going to come out. It's not as tax efficient as what Dan's talking about here, but it accomplishes the same thing. And now you can add as much money as you want you can, to the business, it's not going to put you in a position where you're, I, I think someone's unfairly getting valued. The other thing is, is that um, you can get everyone aligned up behind specific goals. And so to me, you know, again, I did this, if I had to do it again, I probably would not have done it, but I learned a lot from it. And I, and I'm not saying that you should not do it I just think in the case of, in, in in my case, you know, I wanted to invest, I want to do some other things and it just didn't work. I didn't, I think if I had to be completely 100% like own it, it would be like, I should have spent more time in the dilution call clauses. I didn't do that. Um, that was my mistake. But, but I will say that the, you know, the, the, the vehicles that we use now, it can scale to more, because again, there's only so much you can give out. I mean, think about it. You're going to give out 10% to every key person or 20%. That's right. You know, That's it, there's, there's a, it, it, it really is a zero-sum game versus if you use something like insurance, like a whole life policy, which is also backing in the, you know, you can still make people a really good retirement package with those vehicles as well without the complexity, without the promises and without, I mean, you don't want to end up like GM, right? And when I say that, remember back in 2009, was it 2009 when the market fell out? And it mm-hmm. might've even been before that, but they had promised the whole pension all thing. these pensions. Yeah. Exactly. But and it sunk the company, you know, because they think made all about,
1: these promises. Think, think about. So the, the, the beauty of a phantom stock arrangement is that it's all on paper and it's all theoretical until you pay it right. Mm-hmm. Other long-term incentive plans require cash, whole life policy requires you to pay a premium. And again, uh, if it's if it's uh, a, a, you know if the person is maybe you know in their thirties or forties or fifties uh, and maybe high blood pressure or whatever, right? That premium can be pretty high, right? right. And so it's going to suck up uh, you know uh, working capital. Um, so so I we have been very successful with phantom arrangements, but you're absolutely right. If your goal is to say, okay, let's uh, uh, create a company and grow it, uh, using operating cash. And then, you know, five years into it, one of the owners says, I just came into a lump of cash and I'm going to put all that money into this business. And we're going to, you know, we're going to zoom to the top. Um, anybody with me, well, somebody's, you know, those people have to come up with cash and, and, and might not be able to. And again, you may go into it without those plans. Uh, Things change things change.
0: And and by the way, one thing I would say to what you just said about the insurance thing is that it does take capital. That is true. That is true. But there's one principle, if you're listening that I want to make sure that everyone's clear on all, every bit of incentive compensation should be 100% funded by performance. Meaning that whatever you align up with is that it has to be self-funded. So, so in my case, you know, and again, I'm not, I'm not telling you to do what I do because I make a lot of mistakes, but what I am saying is that, and and what we have in place now is that everything that gets pushed out to these programs and these plans, like they go into an account, but they're self-funded. They're above and beyond what we have to hit as a business. And that's their, like you did it. So it's an opportunity. It's a way to get everything lined up, but don't ever put yourself a position where you're using or you're burning operation cash to fund these things. And it's like most things, right? The devil's all in the details, but um, I think they're very powerful to use. I am not a phantom stock hater at all, but I just will say I would be careful with them. And I would, I would also research all options and think about what your true goal is. If your true goal is to put golden handcuffs on people and reward them for, for performance there are more tools out there other than phantom stock and phantom stock might very well be the very thing that works for you um but there are other options phantom, well.
1: phantom stock will uh align uh, uh you know objectives and whatnot and you're right there's some issues with it but you're right if if i want to just give you uh a bonus each year and, and have you have five-year vesting in that and so fifty thousand dollars a year you know, hey, year six, I give you the 50,000. Well, I've locked you up for five years. And then each year thereafter, you have a five-year vesting schedule. So you're accomplishing the same thing. The problem is that that number doesn't um, ebb and flow with the growth of the business and profitability and whatnot. The other thing is, what if you we do this life insurance thing and we don't hit our numbers? Now I end up with a life insurance policy on your life and you might quit. How, you know, how do you, uh, how do you unwind
0: that? Yeah. So there's, so one of the things that you can do, and I don't want to get, I know we're getting towards the end here and I don't want to, we're we're talking about phantom stock, but I will say this, there are policies out there that you own and you can make it so that during the lifetime of the buildup, the owner is the one who owns the policy. Mm -hmm. And, and then once that transition happens, it is absolutely a switch. And once you flip it, it's gone. Right but, yeah. but what I'm saying is, is that in the case that you just described, that's your, that's your saving grace is now yeah. it's, it's your policy. So you get all your money back and it's not like you're like, Oh my gosh, this person is gone halfway through. They didn't get where they needed to go. And yet I'm out of this cash. It doesn't work that way. So it's, again, there are other options out there not telling you, you should or should not do them. But, but again, this is a fascinating topic that, you know, I think done Done right, they are very great to create alignment, much like what Dan said. But I will also say that you really want to think through the details and make sure that you bring in professionals because it's very easy to leave out a detail or two that can cost you a lot of money.
1: Yeah, (laughs) later on, it's important. It's important that you have an attorney draft it and Mm -hmm. have your accountant look at it. We we look at these uh, plans all the time. I don't. Uh, craft them, attorneys craft them, and then we look at them to see, um, you know, how they'll work and, and play play out the di- different scenarios. So it, it's a very interesting topic. and uh, But if you're thinking about it, uh, the, the first place you stop, well, take a look at it, uh, you know, uh, Google it. And then uh, if you think that it's for you, then speak to an attorney. And, uh, yeah. and, and, um, you know, it's, uh, something that you can definitely put in place and it's something that you can align values and goals. And it's something that you can create, uh, wealth for, uh, key people.
0: I would also say, ask around in the industry that this insurance thing I was just talking about was not my idea. It, you know, it was someone else's that that's in our industry that that was their approach. Um, and, and I like it very, very
1: much. So, so it's, it's, you know, a, it's another good one. Maybe we'll do an episode on, yeah, on how that for works. Sure, for sure. So.
0: All right. Well, you all have to, you, you've managed to yet waste another 40 minutes of your life with Dan and I, as always, we appreciate any ratings and reviews that we get you can uh, review us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, however it is that you listen to us. And just a reminder, there will not be a shadow stock agreement up on the website, but all of our other stuff. pmpindustryinsider.com just take a look under show notes there'll be a summary under that you can also get us out on youtube except for this episode you will not see dan you'll just see dan gordon with the big old uh font otherwise you'll just see my ugly mug because he's having uh well he was on the struggle bus this morning and with that we're signing off we'll see you all next time dan anything to say before we part out here that's it all right we'll see you all next time take care sounds good
1: see you